Hello and welcome to the Fire Podcast. I'm Ryan Rhodes. On today's episode, the worst night of his life became a marking prophetic moment. Lessons learned from sitting under Dr. Randy Clark. And what does the church need to do to reach Gen Z and beyond? Justin Allen is a powerful prophetic voice to our generation, the co-founder of Dive Collective, a social media influencer, and a sneakerhead. After having served three years as a Global Awakening Associate Evangelist, Justin and his family have moved to Knoxville, Tennessee to continue their global ministry. You're going to love this episode, and you're going to love Justin. He's become a great friend of mine, and as you'll hear right at the beginning, uh, we get to talk a little bit about how we met, uh, which started with the most powerful prophetic word uh, and uh, and, and most on-point prophetic word I've ever received. Um, and it happened at a, a church in Kentucky and Justin called me out and you'll hear that story. Uh, and we'll get into a little bit about how we got to dive and some of the story about dive, which I've not really shared publicly. Um, so that'd be really cool to, uh, to share some of that with you guys. I think you'll really enjoy it. Also, if this ministry, if fire, the fire podcast, fire movement, uh, if this has impacted you in any way and you'd like to support it, um, you can do so by going to firemovement.com slash support. And there you can give, you can give uh, a one-time gift or you can give monthly, uh, however you see fit. We appreciate all of that. It really does um, It really does help us expand what we're doing, reach more people, uh, which is what this is all about ultimately is stirring up hunger for the real Jesus. And there's starving people who are hungry for Jesus who don't know where to go. And, uh, you know, it's it's by your help, both with your support, but also sharing this, that this gets into their hands. So please share this on social media, share it with your friends, um, like, subscribe, all those fun things. Help help get this in front of the right people so we can impact the world. And now we are going to start our interview after a quick sponsor segment. Religion loves Jesus the teacher is even okay with Jesus the prophet. Religion is not okay with Jesus the breaker of bondage, the transformer of hearts, the savior of nations. Because the real Jesus is the anointed one. He doesn't just have good teachings. He is the, the breaker of bondage. He will transform you. But you gotta go after knowing him more. He's worth it. He's worth, he's worth your time. He's worth your life. And there's, there's nothing, this, this city, this nation, the nations of the world, are not going to be transformed by a satisfied people. They're going to be transformed by lovesick warriors. Because if he's for us, who can be against us? If the king of the universe and all of his goodness, all of his backing, if all of heaven is for you, is standing behind you, supporting you, how, how could anything succeed against you? How could you fail? We could, we could change the world. That's not just a fun phrase. If you'll give your life to this thing, to the real thing, if you'll find the real Jesus, the one who burns with eyes of fire, if you'll get a real hunger in your belly and you don't let anything else stop you, and if you'll, if you'll align yourself with who you are as a son or daughter of God, there is nothing that can stop you. This is the Fire Podcast. Well, I'm here with uh, Vince Canegrage, my co-host for today, and Justin Allen is our guest today, a friend of mine. Uh, you, you heard a little bit about him in the intro, uh, but Justin, it's so great to have you here. 
I'm excited to be on, man. It's an honor to be with you, and I'm excited to jump into the conversation, dude. Yeah. Where are you, uh, where are you at right now? Where are you I am this in Knoxville, Tennessee, in my uh, home office here. So my study, yeah. if you will. <laughs> <laughs> I, love, I love Knoxville. I love that area. Um, well, anyways, so we, we're going to uh, get into some, I don't know about hard-hitting topics. That's probably not the way to say it, but we're going to get into some stuff today. Uh, Justin's, uh, he's a true prophet. He's spent time with Randy Clark, who's one of the real generals of the faith of our time. And, uh, and so he's been able to see a lot he's done a lot. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to have you on. This is going to be a great conversation. Um, long overdue, man. Yeah, it really is. Uh, so first off how I want to talk a little bit about, and Vince kind of, he thought we should talk about this as well Is like how we met, like how we, how we connected yeah. Um, which I probably should have looked this up before the uh, the podcast, but there is a couple episodes of this podcast where, we, <laughs> where, where I share this story um, from years ago. But mm-hmm. um, I can probably look that up here in a second and share that. But yeah, so we met in Kentucky, in Lexington, mm. Kentucky. Yes. And you, you gave me the uh, probably the weightiest corp or not corporate word, but word in front of people like from the stage that I had ever experienced. Um, do you want to share some of the backstory? Cause I know some yeah. of the backstory, how you're feeling that day and all Cause that. Cause the, the backstory makes the whole thing, right? So yeah, <laughs> ch- ch- changed your life and it might've been the worst night of mine. <laughs> oh man. So, um, yeah, no, Justin, was... I, I don't know this story by the way. Oh wow. I just know you guys are, are tight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, And since we've, you know, developed friendship relationship and, I understood the context, which is a rarity for somebody in my shoes because, you know, I traveled to nations and city to city, state to state, all over the place. And I prophesied over thousands of people for years and years. And I rarely get to sit down and do life with the people that I speak into. And you can always see tells, somebody crying, shaking, manifesting, whatever. Um, But I remember you coming up afterwards and being like, no, you don't understand this is like the most accurate word that I've ever gotten. And you tried to explain to me, but I was having a bad night. So context for this, this that you'll look up, I'm sure he'll put a link to this somewhere in this podcast where you can go look at it. Um, I, was, I was at this event. It was an amazing event. It was an honor to be there. But on the way down, the budget for the event was low and we weren't able to fly. So we had to take a very long van ride, which is not always fun, but it's way worse when you um, develop shingles on the way down. So I had contracted (laughs) shingles um, and it was all over under my, my arm and my right side and my rib cage and the side of my stomach. And there's like apparently two types, one where you get the rash, one where you don't get the rash. I didn't have the rash, but I was experiencing this crazy making sensation on, on the underside, uh, you know, like beneath my skin and my ribs and driving down, I was like, I wonder if my wife changed the detergent and I'm having allergic reaction or if something's wrong with my skin and it just got worse and worse. And I was so agitated and irritated. I was like, I've never felt this. And, uh, one of the, the sweet uh, women that was with us, she's like, uh, was a former nurse. She's like, you need to go to get checked out. Cause I think you have the shingles. And I went and found out I had shingles in this conference and Global Awakening, which is an organization I was with for five years of my life. And Dr. Randy Clark founded it. Amazing place. Um, so I'm there. I think Robbie Dawkins was there, Larry Randolph, Randy Clark. So like heroes, right? But I'm completely miserable. I've never felt this bad. So it was one of the only times in my life where I was like 
sleeping and like I was find the green room, get in a corner, shut out the lights and makes you very irritable. Uh, and I'm already like a uh, sensory overload kind of guy. I'm kind of an empath. I'm kind of a telepath, if you will. So when I get in crowds and rooms, I'm already sensitive. So you add this to the mix. And uh, I think that night was like the last night finale kind of thing. And I had spoken at my sessions and I was done. I was tired. I wanted to go home. I didn't want to be there. I was thinking about this nine hour car ride back to Pennsylvania. And I was laying on a couch in the back. And uh, Brian Starley, who's an associate for the ministry now, uh, kept coming back. He's like, Justin, we're about to do words of knowledge. you need to come out. And I was like, I'm not going to come out. I want you to leave me alone. And he was just <laughs> annoying the crap out of me. Like he would not stop. And I've talked to him about this since, but he's like, no, I really think you need to go out. And I'm like, I think you need to leave me alone uh, <laughs> because I'm going <laughs> to knock you out. Um, but I was just very irritable. I was in the flesh. I was, and I'm not normally like that. If you know me, I'm pretty happy. I'm pretty jovial. And like, it would have to be pretty bad. And it was. So finally I was like, if I go out there, will you leave me alone? So there's like a line of people and I went out and I was in the flesh. I didn't have anything. I couldn't, I couldn't think straight. So it, it really is, is hard for me to process. And I was standing there and too, mind you, we're in Lexington, Kentucky, right? Yeah. And uh, I just remember um, right before they handed me the mic, I felt something otherworldly step on me, like, like heaven jumped on my shoulders and I felt the authority and I don't remember how I opened, but I felt like something to the tune of, I think there's someone connected to Mexico over here. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, we're in Lexington. This is like the whitest crowd I've been in in a while. <laughs> there's not even anybody with a tan here. So I'm thinking like Mexico, there's nobody here. And I couldn't see your wife because she's you're so little. And then immediately both of you guys jump up and I'm like, oh my goodness. And as soon as that happened, faith jumped on me. Um, and it was just like, I was in like, Full disclosure, I was in the flesh a second before and the spirit of the Lord jumped on me and it was like he took over and I just went and with authority, the whole room shifted, man. I felt it. Mm. Um, Everybody else felt it and I could tell that it was heavenly and uh, we we went and... um, and just began to go and began to process and the power of God shifted. It was clear. It was on you guys. Um, and then as soon it was, as it was over, I recognized that was a moment, but then all of that lifted and I felt bad again. And I, I was just trying to get out of the room cause I didn't want to talk to people. And I think you had found somebody who went to get me and I was like, I will only talk to them. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then after talking with you, I recognized it was a, a significant moment. And then we connected after that. But Honestly, I've, I've seen some profound things in my life, um, and, and the Lord has um, entrusted me with very special moments, and, and I, I recognize they're holy moments, but for a person um, like me, a prophet, if you will, uh, you, you see a lot of those, so it's not always as significant for you, so there's this tension of walking in the holiness of the moment while not fully understanding it. Uh, but I remember the conviction that was on you, Ryan. Like when you came and talked to me, I was like, there's something about this. And I felt in my heart, this was going to be something that was deeper than this moment. So that being said, of all the things that I've experienced and, and, and things like that, that's probably top three of my life uh, that I can remember. I felt the weight of the Lord. Wow. I felt the authority. I felt the presence of God. And I was like, I feel like history is being changed with this word because it was significant for you guys. But I'm like, this is something that we'll read about in a book someday. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it was wild, but again, like I can't take any credit for it. Like I've had nights where I'm like, I'm pretty on and you know, like you get the names or the birthdays or whatever. And you're like, this is good. 
I can't take any credit for that one. And uh, I recognize it to be the Lord and his grace and his mercy, you know, like uh, not something that I should have been able to, to be a part of, but I'm so glad that he didn't look where we are now, man. Like all these years yeah. later. And yeah, uh, how many years was that ago? That would have been 2017. Oh, wow. Okay. It's been a minute. Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. I get the dates wrong, but man, it was, it was something. And here we sit today and <laughs> it was life altering. And I think it's actually changing the, the, the landscape of the world as we know it too. So yeah. it was cool. <laughs> Yeah, and we, it, the whole thing's really interesting. So, yeah, it was, it was uh, for those who don't know the story, you can go to episodes six and seven of this podcast, um, which is from the first season of this podcast. But the episode six is leading up to how we were headed to Mexico. And episode seven is uh, talking about our time in Mexico. But in one of those two, I can't remember which one, we actually play the word uh, from you, Justin, and like mm. people can hear it. And you can audibly hear the gasp when you when you give the word because I, the best way I can describe it is the fear of the Lord dropped in the room and I've never felt Ooh. the fear of the Lord on a, a word like that. I feel it uh, now. Like even when you talk about it, dude, like it, uh, it, it was, I wish that we could gather people from that room and get their perspectives on what happened because God did some amazing things, but mm-hmm. there was an audible gasp in the room. Yeah. And you can hear in the recording if I remember, uh, remember right, but like you could feel it like something, it dropped in the room and it makes sense right because the the word um i mean you guys can get on hear it but ultimately uh so the the backstory is we were we were going to be this was november i believe of 2017 and christmas day we were headed out to mexico to go uh to david hogan's house in mexico to be with him uh for a little bit and uh, that whole thing has a huge prophetic story, how we even ended up there. But in that process, I don't even know if I told you this. I, I can't remember if this was right before you gave us this word or right after um, we saw Brian and Candace Simmons. And they were at our church, and Candace turned to Milka one of the times and was like, you were in my dream last night, and I had a dream, or like I had a dream about Mexico or something, and gave her this mm-hmm. word. And it was literally what God had spoken to me, but it had to Come do on. with cartels and some things that we were yeah. going to do in Mexico and all that. And that's part of the word you gave us was like, you said, okay, you, you're like, there's something to do with David Hogan. And it's a, it's a, it's a holy, it's a holy relationship. It was something mm-hmm. along those lines, like, which was amazing in itself. Like just cause yeah. somebody's going to Mexico doesn't mean they're actually going to be connected to David Hogan, you know? Well, exactly. Um, it was something that was so interesting because kind of like with the gift of faith, like when do you know it's the gift of faith? It's like almost like the Lord arrests you and takes over your body. But I remember seeing David Hogan's face so strongly and and I knew it was Mexico because the Lord had said it. And I even was like, I don't want to say this just because, but I wouldn't be surprised if David Hogan reaches out to you and there's a very strong connection. And I mean, that's one of those like, Robbie Dawkins, who was there at that event, says faith is spelled R-I-S-K, right? It's like, that's either dead wrong or that's the Lord, right? And I just felt like that word was like, how many notches up can we take this thing? And we never tapped out. It was so, so profound, man. And you could feel heaven on it, man. Like it was Mm -hmm. like, there were angels in the room. Uh, it, It was, oh, Man, I'm getting stirred yeah. talking about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I mean that that word really it was it was helpful because you get stuff from people and you even when you hear stuff from God, it's like it's just helpful to have those kind of moments where it's undeniable God is in this. Like, you know, cuz we were going down there and 
we've heard if you've heard any of david hogan's stories you know we're like are we about to go die like what's about to happen <laughs> probably <laughs> you know we, we have no idea what's gonna happen you know ran to the cartel several times while we're down there and stuff but you know i've got this thing like you know, this word about cartels and 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 what we're going to do there and principalities and that was the other thing other part of the word was that god in it was going to begin to teach me how to dismantle principalities and that was like part of the teaching that god was doing like really teaching in my life and you don't really hear people talk about that mm-hmm. um but it was that was something he was currently doing and has continued to do since then um so and and that was the apostolic shift in my life that's where mm-hmm. like it's that was stirred up um so I'm so thankful. And you know, what's funny is like we came down. So we have history with that church enough that like we've been there multiple times, prophesied over the pastors, had had a relationship with them. We've stayed at their house. Uh, We came down for that and literally like sat. I mean, you saw where we were sitting. We weren't sitting with them like we normally would. Mm -hmm. Uh, We were just like off to the back back side of the church, just, you know, whatever. And then you you called that out. So. It wasn't even like, hey, you guys are on the front row, so you're probably special, <laughs> so I'm going to prophesy over you. Like yeah. those easy wins yep. in the prophetic. It wasn't one of those. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very thankful for that. And so after that, we, we've we been connected. I don't even remember. Did we exchange information right then? or? I don't remember if it was then or shortly thereafter. I think I told you I'm fine to connect with you, but we I don't know that we did it immediately. There was even a process there, you know, uh, even because I meet. And that, that season of my life, I was meeting thousands of people on the regular. So it's not that people aren't significant. It's just like I, I meet hundreds of people a night, yeah. you know, and, and it was not uncommon for me in that season of my life to, to prophesy over everyone in a room. So I could a couple hundred people a night prophesying over. It starts to get swirly in your memory. Yeah. Uh, but I do remember there was I remember that moment and I remember the significance of it. And you did re, you did follow up, which a lot of people are hesitant to do that which is, you know, they have their reasons. So I just trust that if it's the Lord, you know, he'll, people will follow up and he'll follow through. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and what I was about to say a second ago is the reason we were even there is because I came down with the, we, we wanted to sew into Randy and, uh, before our trip and how, like, I wanted him to lay hands on me, which he did. He ended up doing that, which is funny. Cause like that word kind of, <laughs> it was like, we went down for that and that was wonderful. Yeah. And I, I honor that. And he gave me I mean, the word he gave me and stuff was spot on as well. But that the shifting moment was what happened in, in the prophecy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, so we got connected. And I mean, part of it is just because I, I know I've had the ability to connect with people over the years because and I have spoken myself. You can tell the people who just want your time because they want your time yeah. yep. uh, or they want something from you or they want to be associated with you. And I know that I've like I know where my heart's at, so I, I'm able to reach out to people like that. And typically, they can tell like, oh, this is legitimate. Like they're yeah. not trying to get something. Uh, but I think I reached out to you uh, a couple times just to to pray. Yes, um, so you were that in a was big transitional time in your life, and one of the things was because I recognized the weight from heaven on it. I knew your life was about to suck, <laughs> you know. Like so, <laughs> so, and I kind of have this thing where I like, I, you know, like I'm. I'm glad for the prophetic moment and I apologize in advance for what's about to take place in your life. And I kind of had that feeling and it didn't, it's it, not that your life sucks, but there was it, some it, shit. It did, it did for a little bit. <laughs> there was, and normally I'm the guy who's like, let me pop the lid off of that for you. And then I'll see you in three years. Um, but, <laughs> but I mean, there was some things and I, I recognize that was a, 
whether that was a tipping point or not, it was a significant moment in that. And I, I recognize the, the magnetic draw that it has for warfare and stuff like that. But it's also a catalyst, you know, like mm. that foretelling element of the pr- prophetic. It's not just the foretelling. This is going to happen one day. It's that violent breaking the the breaking this reality of heaven into the now that is opposing it. And I felt something on that where it's like, I, I think I want to walk with these people through whatever this is wow. um, just in relational capacity. You don't get to do that with everybody, no. but it felt, it felt significant. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it, it, I, I know we were, we were thankful because we went through a really, really hard transition, you know, moving out here and everything and a lot happened and, you lose a lot of friends and all the, all the things that happen. Um, mm-hmm. Good people doing bad things, all you know, broken people, that sort of yep. thing. Uh, but you stood with us. Uh, <laughs> you know, David Hogan, Jody Hogan, his son. Like, I mean, we had good people in our corner. I'm like, if you're gonna go yeah. through hell, <laughs> like these, <laughs> these right. are some of the people that you you wanna you wanna have in your corner. And I've been really thankful for it. And I think I don't probably the last one that really solidified things for me wasn't even that you stood with us during that time. It was, it was the one where uh, David had invited me to go with him to um, Singapore and uh, was it Indonesia. We were going to some remote area in Indonesia. I don't know. The whole thing got canceled, but we were like praying over it together. And it was yeah. like this really significant, like God kind of bringing me back to that. Are you willing to be martyred kind of thing? Yeah, and and you were praying into that with us, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, and then the trip got canceled. Uh, but then it was after that is so some people have seen Dive Collective popping up some yeah. of that. Um, Vince, you might want to if you have any questions and want to pull stuff out of me. I'm not great at talking about all this. Yeah, um, yeah, but go for it. Yeah, man. So um, one of the things that sticks out to me. Um, well, one, I guess, appreciate you guys going back and like, you know, just uh, revisiting that and starting this off that way. I think it, like, I feel the fear of the Lord, honestly, just under my mm-hmm. feet right now. Like, mm-hmm. it's 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 powerful. Um, the, the one thing I, I'm like, uh, just kind of picking up is like, Justin, like, I think that there's a lot of moments like that where right, when you're prophesying or when you're walking and moving in that and you're shaking somebody's life. I think what, one of the things that, um, sticks out to me about this is that um, you weren't kind of in a place of like rescuing Ryan. Mm-hmm. You yeah. like legitimately like took his hand up and said like I'm walking this with you as a friend. Yeah. Hmm. Um, it, it, yeah. yeah. Go ahead. I, that that for me is significant like on a very deep heart level like mm-hmm. i might get emotionally moved in this more than i anticipated because when you say the fear of the lord it's an accurate representation of of the way that i want to do life with people and friends and stuff like that and when you've paid a price right when you've walked through um the valley of the shadow of death um alone you value brothers and sisters and friends and stuff like that so i been in those moments many times with the Lord. I was like, Lord, if you'll just show me some people that are willing to like not love their own lives unto death, like I'll be their friend. I just want to be the friend of your friends. Mm-hmm. And that, that was kind of one of the things that I felt. And yeah, I'm not, I can't rescue anybody. I can't save anybody, yeah. but I've been places like this before and you don't have to do it alone. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think that's, that's, what's like beautiful about it because it's, it's like that purity and that um, that honor for, um, you know, obviously who Jesus is as our savior, but then also like 
what's on uh, on each other's life right like um and i think that's what's beautiful about it and i think that like the thing that i'm thinking about right now is like um just in prophetic circle prophetic culture like when moments like that happen typically like there's this there's a side for like a ryan to receive the prophetic word and then look for this individual to rescue or like mm-hmm. pull on them right and like i think it's so beautiful that the the intent in which you walked was from that level or from that place of humility um and honor for what was on ryan's life rather than just like i'm gonna i'm gonna pull him through this come on yeah that's good it's really good yeah and i think that's 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 something that i think is like um what is being stirred and and people that have like walked out of those prophetic circles or like um been ingrained in that like i think they're recognizing that now and like um taking up more of that um kind of ability to walk in that fear of the lord and so that's kind of why yeah. i wanted to hi- highlight it it's a barnabas thing you know barnabas is naming son of encouragement son mm-hmm. of prophecy it's the same thing mm-hmm. so we we negate and we neglect that we we run to stages platforms and visible places and we forget people need prophets in their corner in their life um, I was talking to a friend uh, the other day and a very successful person in a, in a non-ministry space, actually in a business tech arena, and the Lord is breaking open things for him. And I was just helping him see himself for who he was. And he's like, man, I don't get this all the time. And yeah. even in, from my own perspective, it's just like you forget that encouragement is not a small thing, but encouragement on the lips of a prophet can literally change your life. Yeah. So, so when you are willing to do life with people, it changes the game. Yeah. You know, you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you get a prophet's reward. Well, what is that? You get the person that is the prophet, you know, or the person that is the righteous man. You want those, the, the people are the gifts, the gifts are the people. It's not what they do, it's who they are. Mm-hmm. So if we can shift our, our mindset, our perspective to that, you know, whether you're known or unknown, like we just look at each other for who God sees us um, to be and, and value that everybody wins and yeah. it's beautiful. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. It's really good. Wow. Yeah. And so from that point, you know, we really, um, you know, I, I, there was different moments. Like I remember you going to Brazil that I felt was really significant and stuff. Um, but I've been, it's been really interesting how God has knitted our friendship together. Um, and it hasn't just been driven by the prophetic stuff. Um, mm-hmm. it has, it really has been, uh, it has been relationship. It's been, you know, supporting each other, cheering each other on, praying for each other. And I think that's, that's, what's been really beautiful. And it, it hasn't felt like either side has been like, Hey, I need something from you. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know, it hasn't been, uh, come, come, come take care of me kind of thing or support <laughs> me or yeah, whatever, which is really beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, so I think um, so that that brings us to like the dive collective kind of side of things. Right. Because like I was there, man, like when um, Ryan was like uh, just kind of ideating over what this dive collective thing could look like. Um, and I remember him just talking about how you guys were really good friends and you guys would be on the phone together and trying to like put this together. So like I'm kind of. I'm curious if you guys can just kind of touch base here for our listeners here. Like where did, where did dive collective um, 
uh, kind of come together, meet, meet at a point for both of you guys? Yeah, I, well, I should probably take that, uh, <laughs> at least to the point we've talked. Um, so this is like, I think it was in March of 2020. Uh, so, you know, we're going to COVID, all this stuff. I really felt like from the Lord, it was a time to rest and like let the reset happen and, and all that. And that, you know, not knowing how long COVID was going to be, but it was like, oh, we get a time to like, you know, be at home and shut <laughs> stuff down. And, and like, we're out here, you know, I, I lived uh, a couple miles from the fir- the breakout point for the U.S. in Kirkland, Washington. And uh, anyway, so I'm playing video games as one does. <laughs> I think I was playing NBA 2K. And uh, I had this like out of nowhere, had this presence of God, open vision kind of thing while I'm playing video games. And I saw, I saw, uh, it wasn't called dive. I didn't have a name for it, but I just saw this, this thing that I was supposed to put my hands to, and it was going to become something that the hungry people who are desperate to hear, like, what is God saying above all this noise, above all the voices, all the platforms and all the social media, like, what is God speaking to the earth right now? What is he speaking to us? And, uh, and then I started seeing, um, it took me some. It took me back to something that Roberts Lairdon uh, said to me, which was, he said, everyone needs two types of messages in their life. They need messages that feed who they are as a believer and like just as a Christian, and then they need messages that feed their calling. And those, he said, those are typically the ones that stir you up, that make you you know feel like you can do anything or make you cry. Um, those are like your calling messages versus like identity messages and learning how to love your neighbor. Um, and he said, we need a balanced diet of both. And that was one of the most profound things I'd heard, because I don't think I've ever heard anybody explain it that way. And I realized, like, especially in the, this this apostolic season in my life where God was stirring all this apostolic stuff, I was listening to David Hogan and Heidi Baker. And, like, just that was my world. Lester Sumrall, like, these people that I'm just, like, getting stirred up and could go take on anything. And I'm like, oh, I could actually end up neglecting the place of character or identity or let my identity become the apostolic instead of who I I am as a son of God. And so anyways, in this vision, I see that and I see, I see how uh, there, there's going to be this peace that builds out and builds out healthy diets for people who are like, I want to learn about faith. And then they get to hear about faith from different dimensions, from different uh, genres of, of preachers or eras of preachers. So you might hear, from Kenneth Hagin next to T.D. Jakes next to Francis Chan or John Piper, you know, something like that, where it's like this multidimensional thing. And so anyways, there's more to it, but that was a general idea. And so I took that to some friends uh, in Seattle and I was just like, hey, what do you guys think of this? Am I just, because my heart, I'm like, am I just trying to do something when God just said to rest? (laughs) You know, like we had put our ministry and everything that we you know, we were doing house house worship and dinners and stuff. We put all that, like stopped all of that. And like, we're just like focused on, on just resting. And then God gives me this download. And uh, they're like, no, God's on this. So then I felt like I was supposed to reach out to Justin. And it was soon, really soon after that. Um, and I get on with him. And I, at this point, like we knew each other from like afar. And like from supporting each other in that way, praying for each other. Um, I had never really seen him in any kind of partnership capacity, what that could look like. Like we haven't done life together, like that sort of thing. Um, I get on the call with him and I just said, I want to run something by him. And I get on the call and I hear the Lord say, invite him to be your business partner. And 
my first thought is there's no way that, that that's going to happen. I, I'm like, from my experience, church people and business. <laughs> <laughs> Horrible like, idea. <laughs> yeah, I, I could say a lot of things about oils or anything. But uh, anyways, like a lot of church people have this fantasy of entrepreneurship because they want to be financially free, but they, and they're always just kind of waiting for it to happen. And I'm just like, man, I don't, I don't know him in that capacity to invite him to be my business partner on this thing that I don't even know what's going to happen with it. I don't know what to do with it. And I'm thinking my business partner needs to be somebody that understands all the, the like the tech end of this and like all the stuff we're going to have to do from this point forward. And, uh, but I knew the voice of the Lord. And so I invited him into it. Uh, and just, I can, I can let you take it from there, but I just was like, Hey, I feel yeah. supposed to ask you. This. Oh my God. <laughs> so, I mean, it was, wait, Justin, it, what were you doing when, when he called you? Do you remember? Well, we had, we were, we were going to talk about something. I didn't know we were going to talk about this. I just yeah. thought we were catching up because, uh, the, the transition over to Seattle had been a radical transition for their family. And it just, it was a tremendous amount of warfare. Mm-hmm. And I was like wanting to catch up and see where we were. And we did that. But then he, he just added, he's like, I want to talk to you about this thing. <laughs> and what's crazy is like, again, he had never thought of that. That had never even entered my mind. And then even, you know, like I, I'd seen, you know, as, as far as like su- success is relative to the person, but in the ministry space that I was in, I, I was doing well in the space that I was in. And uh, there was a tremendous amount of favor there. But what he did not know is that the Lord had been speaking very clearly to us about stepping into the business space. Mm. And I was wrestling wow. with the Lord saying, Jesus, I don't know anything about that. I've given my entire life to you, Lord. Like mm. I, I've given it all to the ministry and I don't know anything about that. I don't, I don't understand the finances and the logic and the strategy and and how to build maintain or whatever you're supposed to do in business so i said lord if you're gonna do if you want to do that i'm for it but you're gonna have to make it pretty clear to me that it's you because i don't even know where to start yeah and this had been a actually something we were actively praying about because we we felt like we're coming to a season where the lord was going to shift us from ministry as we had known it into the from nonprofit to for-profit in the business sense um in a in a way that was going to be more kingdom than we had ever known before and i'm like that's great so he does this and he's like by the way i'm doing and and the language that he used was like oh my goodness you know like what 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 is this so he's like do you want to be my business partner i said yes i do what are we doing you know and i was like i gotta let you know i don't know anything about business and I don't know, I mean, he didn't pitch it exactly that way, but yeah. the language that he used was so close to the prayers and the inquiries that we had been lifting before the Lord. Wow. There was no doubt in my mind. And then you add to it the the sovereign and divine nature of our connection and the fear of the Lord on it. I just trusted it, right? Yeah. And because I trust him and I trust the Lord, I was like, this has the makings of almost like I don't care what it is. I know that sounds, yeah. uh, it doesn't mean that I don't want to sound like, I go into life that way, but I was like, I almost don't care what we do. I feel like whatever we do together would be fruitful because I feel like there is this reverence and, and, and holy unto the Lord about all things that they would pursue. And as he began to share his heart, I'm like, actually this hits on so many levels with some, some, when I talk about the prophetic, I talk about there's three year words, there's five years words, there's 20 year words. Yeah. You know, there's, there's words that you will see fulfilled quickly. And then there are lifetime words. And I've got a, a lot of lifetime words, 
um, connected to media and media platforms and wow. influence and and speaking to nations uh, in a way that is, uh, you know, a lot of those prophetic words, there's a technology that doesn't exist yet that is going to come, you know, into play that the Lord is going to utilize. I see you on screens. I see you on phones. I see you on all these things ministering to every tribe you know, tongue and people group. And, and as he's saying this, it's just my internal, you know, uh, my spidey sense is going crazy. So I was like, yeah, let's, let's do it, man. And then from there, he begins to kind of explain the vision and, and, uh, yeah, I was just there for it. So that's kind of the birthings of it and didn't know what was going to happen. I was like, this is crazy. And then it was very, it became quickly evident uh, that the breath of God was on it because the acceleration didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. I'll let Ryan talk about whatever he wants to talk or we can go from there. But it was <laughs> it was just one of those moments where like it seemed right to us and the Holy Spirit, yeah. you know, so. Yeah, I, I don't we can't get into too much because we have to kind of protect what what's happening. Yep. But I, the people we were getting in front of. Um, as quickly as we were, we weren't doing anything. It wasn't a whole lot of like beating down the door, trying to get somebody to talk to us. God was just bringing people along and, and connecting this to have the conversations with the people in the space, like that we need, needed to talk to. Um, and, and so dive as, as people, like if anybody wants to know dive is D Y V E. Uh, there's a whole story behind that, but, um, it's the Dive Collective. So at, at Dive Collective is the uh, Instagram handle. Um, but right now we're just we're building the social media. We're building up what this is, uh, and there's more to come. But yeah, the the breath of God's been on it the whole time, uh, which yeah. has been incredible. And it, it honestly, it's like uh, I think I've told you this, but like for me, ministry was like I've got these ministry words and I've got these business words, and they always seem like opposite ends, and like they couldn't because the ministry stuff was so is so blatantly traditional ministry and the Mm -hmm. business stuff was so blatantly business and it's like i don't know how you do both and uh and to me i it was harder to have faith for the business side of things than it was the ministry side of things and so it was just easier to lean into the ministry side because i could even in the natural do that and i knew how to do that and, and partner with the lord in that very easily but I, my heart didn't know how to partner with business. And then this came along and still to this day, it's like, this is so big that unless he brings along the next thing, if he connects mm-hmm. the right people or, or, you know, whatever, I'm like, I, I don't know. <laughs> it mm-hmm. won't go anywhere, it, you know, if that doesn't happen. But yeah. uh, he just continues to do it. Yeah. And that's been amazing. Yeah, that's, that's great, man. Yeah, obviously, um, probably don't want to spend the whole time talking about that, but... Um, I, I'm glad that you guys brought that up in that way. Um, wh- one of the things that I think both Ryan and I kind of um, came into the conversation about, and we're going to shift a little bit here, um, is just the anointing, Justin. You know, I've I've heard multiple times as you're um, just talking, and I know that this is typical vernacular for, for I think, a lot of um, charismatic global awakening kind of circles, but there's something um, that I'm sensing on just how you're navigating the vernacular that you're using and describing the fear of the Lord, uh, the presence of faith on you, the, the, these, mm-hmm. these kind of terms. And I wanted to talk, um, just kind of dive in a little bit about the anointing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and wanted to hear uh, just kind of from you, uh, 
like when so ryan kind of made fun of me a little bit when i asked this question but i like it um and i wasn't sure i was if i was going to say it this way but i'm going to just for ryan (laughs) (laughs) but um when did you like figure out that your life that you were dripping in oil Mm -hmm. yeah i um like what was that moment like what was that experience like What's the process? So I I make a distinction uh, between the anointing and the glory. Mm -hmm. So I believe that there is uh, a measure of anointing on your life that is there the same way as your gift and call. They're grace gifts. You didn't do anything to get them. You can't do anything to lose them. Mm -hmm. So there's a measure of anointing on your life for the sake of the gospel being advanced. So whatever the thing is that you do, you'll do it better because you're anointed to do it better. And then I even think you can operate in a measure of anointing while living in compromise or sin or, or mixture or whatever. And we see a lot of that and, and people will get saved in the anointing. People get healed in the anointing. Uh, All the good things can happen in the anointing, but glory and manifesting the glory of the Lord requires death. And it isn't one death. It's a thousand deaths. It's that, that taking up your cross daily. It is it is the it proves it, it pleased the father to bruise the son. Um, it was that 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 element of Jesus going to the cross. And he said, "The hours come that I may need to be glorified." But he's speaking of a death, so he understood that for God to receive His glory, he had to freely lay down his life. And there is a measure of glory that can only be manifested as you choose to freely lay down on the cross and let him drive the nails deep, um, elevate you on high in a place of humiliation, which leads to humility, um, being stripped naked and unashamed before the Lord. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. It releases the same ministry of Jesus. And when you have endured that um, for seasons and more seasons, and when you develop a lifestyle that looks like the cross, uh, Bishop Mark Sharona would call it the cross-shaped life, that when you develop that, there is a glory that begins to manifest in your life that is different. It's where the authority comes, right? So like someone under the anointing could say something and it could be true and there could be a response, but someone dripping in the glory, that thick honey glory from heaven, when they stand before men and they open their mouth, heaven and earth take notice. And the fear of the Lord can hit a room. And and for me... um, that has been attained slowly um, through a lot of very unfortunate circumstances. Mm-hmm. I People talk about their church hurts and stuff like that, and people that are called to the, the fivefold offices, particularly the apostolic and the prophetic, there's a lot of death. Um, there's a lot of wounding. There's a lot of scars. There's a lot of friendly fire. There's a lot of breaking. And when you think you can't be broken anymore, you can be broken some more. Mm-hmm. And what you have a tendency to do as a human is say, I can't deal with that anymore. But the free will act to go back straight into that, you know, um, Jesus came to his own and his own knew him, not that fellowship of his sufferings that rejected by the people you've come to liberate. That's a place where you really become a friend of God. 
And that's when God will begin, his heart will be moved by your heart. And I think that's one of the distinctions. I mean, that's a such a big subject. I, I love the anointing. It is, it is fantastic, but you can move in the anointing and live in sin. Uh, you can't touch the glory of God. And it, it requires, in the Old Testament, to see God was to die. I would propose that that still stands, mm. that if I'm to see God, I must die. Mm. Um, and there must be something new raised up in me. And that's Christ in me, the hope of glory or this expectation that glory can come from my life requires uh, my life to end first. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, talk to me, uh, talk to us about, unless Ryan, you have something. um, No. Share, like, pretend I know nothing. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, Share with me how you've learned to make the distinction between anointing and glory. Like when he's walking in and you're walking through all of that with him. What is mm-hmm. that? What is that? What does that do to your soul? What does that do to your body? What does that do to your thoughts? You know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. It takes a tremendous toll on your physical body. Hmm. Um, I'm 34 years old. Um, I, I got saved when I was seven. I accepted the call to ministry when I was 14, and I can tell you um, that there's there's a measure of warfare in the like in in this realm that comes against the natural body that's that's just not normal mm-hmm. and the the weight of his glory the the kavad the, the the kavad of his glory the heavy thick goodness of god weighs heavy on humanity so there's this 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 strong emphasis on strengthening yourself in the lord you know you know filling uh, filling your mind with his thoughts and 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 washing of the water and renewing of your mind through the word of god and prayer and intercession but there's a high cost where you like I, th- I think that honestly, in a lot of regards, I'm required to pray and to fast and to spend a lot more time alone than the average bear. It doesn't mean I'm better. It just means it's a call of God on my life mm-hmm. and, and where, where much is given, much is required. You know, uh, I think that was Spider-Man's uh, uncle that said that uncle Ben, right. <laughs> you know, like, um, but, but there's this <laughs> thing of he places, um, a, an abundant supply within you, but there will be demand put on it. So this this taxation that that that's put on your body is very interesting and the levels of warfare that you'll attract because your your choice to continue on in this literally means life and death for thousands. And if you take, for instance, say there's a there's a prophet who moves in glory, Mm -hmm. uh, one who carries the word of the Lord and whether they say what they're going to say or they don't means that thousands will be liberated. And like if I choose to be disobedient people may never walk into the call of God on their life. That may mess with some people's theology, um, but but God is trusting. You know, the Bible says he reveals his secrets to his servants, the prophets, and he does nothing lest he reveal his secrets to his servants, the prophets. So our ability to be intimate uh, with him and spend time where we can hear him whisper those secrets is really important. Uh, But then there's this thing, and you can interrupt if I'm getting too long-winded here, but I began to notice this trend, you know, like you, you read about the throne room, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The earth is filled with his glory. All the angels, all the elders, they're on their face before him night and day, day and night. That's all they can say. They are created. They are fashioned to be in that place and all they can do. What do you think you and I are going to do when we're face to face with the God of glory? And even messengers sent from the throne room of God, as they would be sent from that place to deliver a message, 
People couldn't stand. They couldn't look at them. They would fall as dead. I'm convinced that as we spend time in the presence of the Lord, there is a tangible residue that comes off of him and gets on us. And if you'll read about like Raven Hill or or anybody and some of like God's generals that we talk about all the time, these people would get on trains and people in the next city would fall out under the, the, the Shekinah, the heavyweighty goodness of God. I want to live like that. Mm-hmm. And I think it just means that that for me to do that is going to be costly, but I only get one life to live. And I, I refuse to stand before him and say I didn't give him every bit that I had. Um, yeah, that's a start. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good start. I have a question for you, Justin. I, this yes. is just something in my head right now, um, so I don't even. I don't know if I agree with what I'm about to ask. Uh, <laughs> Me either. Me either. So I'm thinking about that. And I'm thinking. So one of the things I've seen is uh, I've witnessed this firsthand, but I've also heard a lot of stories of like when a when prophetic people, especially prophetic people, um, when they get wounded or skewed or often to some other stuff um they they create a toxic atmosphere bigger than most people um yeah and like there's there's one in particular uh that uh i've heard of that lives out he i don't know if he still does but he lived out in this area and he was really famously you know rebuked by a lot of different circles and um went off 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 the deep end into some stuff uh, but one of the most on-spot on prophetic people back in the day. And everywhere around the lake he lived out here, you could feel it from what I've heard. I didn't mm-hmm. experience that one per, uh, personally. But I just kind of wonder if if as you, because he was somebody that was spot on, you know, really um, built him, built up that, that kind of like glory realm experience yeah. with God. It rested on him and that grew and became like almost like an open atmosphere on him. But then as he allowed other stuff and mixture to happen and it kind of took him the other direction mm-hmm. that that the size of the atmosphere didn't change, but the, the content of that atmosphere changed. Yeah. Um, so it's almost like the glory actually create makes you a bigger hose or something yeah. like, it. you know, like yeah. what you release can go. It becomes bigger and bigger. But then and mm-hmm. I've heard that with some of the generals, too, like as they got, you know, jaded, hurt, offended, whatever. Mm-hmm. It, it became it became that that they were exporting out outside of them. Would you absolutely? Would you agree with that, or am I saying that right? Is there a better I, way to say I that? I would I would agree with that. I think that's a pretty good articulation. Not a question that you would get asked a lot, um, but God does not override our free will. It doesn't matter if you're a a prophet, a chosen vessel, or not. He will not override your free will. And I do a, a ton of teaching, training, equipping. I, I've I've trained many many prophetic people over the years. And I almost won't touch anything to do with supernatural ability, eyes, ears, you know, spiritual realms. I deal almost exclusively with your soul and how to deal with the broken parts of you. Because if you are splintered, everything you're doing is going to be screwed up. And I, it, it just, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if your heart is broken, everything else will be broken. And while some people may not be able to discern or detect that, um, time will tell all things and and it is imperative that prophets and prophetically inclined individuals make sure that they are healed and whole. But again, like I said, like with people who are glory carriers or, or ones who are going to be oracles, mouthpieces, what have you, if, 
if we have the capacity to release heaven, we also have the capacity to release hell. And I'm convinced that that a lot of prophets have died prematurely because they, their heart was broken and they would not receive healing. And as a grace from the Lord, he took them home early so they wouldn't have to be judged for what they were doing. Mm-hmm. People feel differently about that. But was Ananias and Sapphira was new covenant. You know, we talk about revival. They lied to God and they were struck dead in that moment. Well, what's the issue? Well, God can see hearts and he can judge hearts. And the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So I would rather be on the eternal life side of things. And I think we um, we make light of things that we shouldn't. And I think uh, I have this thing that I say, it's, it's like a core value. It's the fear of the Lord will keep you holy. Mm-hmm. As long as I have a right view of him, I'll tread lightly where I need to tread lightly. And, uh, you know, if you look at these great men and women of God, you read their diaries, their journals or whatever, you will see some of the most holy consecrated people that you and I would look at and be like, I, I don't think I could ever live to that level in like at the closer they got to God, the more they felt like a wretch. It wasn't a reality, but, but you cannot get in the presence of the Holy one and feel like you've got something to offer. Like I, it's just some of these people that say they have these, they've been caught up into the heavenlies in the throne room and they're, you know, lackadaisically just, meandering through the glory. I'm like, you don't know what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Uh, You just don't. And I think when we frame it that way, it's not accurate. And it really leads people in. Like if if you have, yeah, I'm going to leave that alone, but (laughs) I have some strong feelings about it. I think that to be in his presence is, is holiness is a byproduct of being in his presence that that fire will burn everything off whether you want it to or not and that's just a question what at what point will we choose to get off the altar because the burning is too intense and the only right answer is that we just see it through until we step into glory Um, but again to see God is to die I'll die a thousand deaths if I get to see a glimpse of him Mm. over and over again so Mm. so beautiful beautifully said Yeah, I, I think I, I just want to make the emphasis. I think that's what everything you just said. I mean, it goes towards anybody, but especially those who have any kind of um, ministry where they release the heart of God. So thinking prophets, prophetic people, but worship leaders as well. Um, mm. I, I've I've witnessed that over and over again, too. I mean, there was there was a pretty I won't say names, but there was a pretty famous album that came out. And I remember just being like, man, this album's off. Like mm-hmm. it felt, it felt soulish. It felt like, man, like, I'm like, but I, you know, and then it's like, am I just being critical? Like what's going on? And then come to find out the person was, you know, going through a nasty divorce behind the scenes. And that was the leaking. It was leaking into, mm-hmm. into what they were doing. And, um, yeah, that, that to me is, is rather scary. Or I've seen the other side where people can hide it really well. And mm-hmm. the stuff they're doing behind the scenes, like their worship, even God, you know, people, get touched by God in the midst of their worship, yep. but they're also releasing the junk too. And so you, yeah. I, I've heard, I, I don't know who I heard say this, but I've, I think I've heard a couple different prophets say this, but you know, if you have uh, somebody, a worship leader that's in sexual sin and then they're up there leading worship, you're going to have people in sexual sin because they're, yeah. they're, they're releasing that oil <laughs> into yeah. the room or that, you know, what's in them, both good and bad. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. Whatever's on your life is transferable whether it's good or bad. And it is our responsibility as ministers of, 
of the Lord um, and unto people that we live pure and holy lives before the Lord. And ultimately, there's no accountability partner that will help you with that. You you have to be able to stand before the Lord. And I think, you know, as the fivefold um, ministry expression begins to mature a little more and, and begins to develop and disciple better, uh, we won't make people dependent upon us, but the you know Ephesians says that he gives some to be apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists for the equipping of the saints to do the work of the ministry. Well, what is the the ministry? It's first unto the Lord and then unto people. So if you can't minister unto the Lord, you have no business ministering to people. But we are very quick to you know run them on the assembly lines and get them ready to minister to people. But you know you talk about when did you recognize you were dripping in oil? You got to spend some time time to get saturated in the presence of God. I mean, there's people that don't pray before they minister. There's people that don't read their Bible. This is absurd to me. You know, in, in generals, one generation before, I'm 34, I'm not that old. Mm-hmm. I'm not that young anymore. But but the idea that you can stand and minister before people when you st- haven't stood in the presence of the Lord, you should be afraid, actually, because you will stand and give an account for every idle word spoken. And the Bible is so clear about the parameters for leadership and the way in which you live your life. And then also like the things that disqualify you from being able to do those things. And leaders will be judged at a higher standard. So if leaders, then let's elevate that up to prophets now that are speaking, you know, from God's perspective to nations, people, groups, and, and, and influencers in the earth. I mean, uh, that can't be emphasized enough, the importance of that. And then the ability, like you said, that we can release heaven or we can release hell. I don't want to stand before the Lord and say, I used this body and this mouth and this you know, my voice to release hell when you wanted to release heaven. Um, that's a that's a scary thought. Like I've actually spent nights like up thinking about this. You know, influence is a funny thing because you're like, man, I am. I don't want this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Help yeah. Jesus. <laughs> Um, Vince, do you have anything else along those lines? I want to take this a little bit different direction based on something he just said, but yeah, no, go else. for it. Go for it. So, so Justin, you have, you have a really unique position where you, uh, one of the things I love about you is you are very human, uh, and, and very <laughs> supernatural at the same time. And like yeah. you'll, okay. Everyone, everyone who's supernatural is very human. You actually allow it to be seen. Like you, you yeah. love you love yeah. shoes like you're yeah. always going to chick-fil-a with your kids and stuff like always you, you know <laughs> you got tattoos like and you enjoy tattoos you're always working out you're way too way too fit uh <laughs> wear shirts that are way too tight like you know you're very you're very human um so and, and then you have this you have this social media influence and uh you're, you're, you'd be considered a micro-influencer with, with your, your amount of influence. Um, and you've maintained that really well, and you're goofy, and you, you do stuff that's not typically churchy. Um, you, you probably reach people that most church leaders would never reach just because of your approach. Um, and that's not really what I want to hit. My thought is, with, with what you just said, though, with influence, I want to give that context so people understand who, who may not know you. Um, with that context... What do you think about this this current? I, I know that I have concerns, but like this current uh, generation where it's easy to influence, and we're actually seeing it even more. Like I don't know if you get these, but 
Instagram's basically decided I'm a Christian, so every uh, Christian influencer, I need their reels and stuff. So when I'm like watching reels, it's all like, stop, let me pray for you real quick. And then it's like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's some, there's some cheesy ones. My, some of my friends here, like they've heard me complain about that over and over again because they are so awful. <laughs> it's like yeah. everything I, I hate about American churchianity in, in mm-hmm. like 10 seconds uh, yeah. over and over again, you know? So for um, sure. But anyways, I, I keep I keep having this thought. I'm like watching, and I'm like, man, these th- some of these are 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 they're millennials, and some of them are are Gen Z. And I'm mm-hmm. watching. I'm like, this is terrifying because some of these, I mean, they have a larger following than most of the preachers I know. Yeah. And I'm like, they have no most of them. I mean, I can't. I I don't want to make a mass statement, but I would mm-hmm. dare to say most of them don't have a history with God. Uh, in the way that you would need typically for that kind of a platform. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they've been given it by social media. And that's kind of scary to me to have that level of influence. And they don't even know, they don't really know what they're even doing or like how they're affecting people. Yeah. So is, what is the direct question in that? Because I could take that like a thousand ways. So what's which way that, do you want to come? That's at a that? prompt. You can take that wherever you want. Okay, I, do it. I just do you do you see that? I mean, you're in the influence influencer world, not just in the church mm-hmm. world, but you're actually in the social media influencer world. Um, yeah. And you know, is that a concern? Like, have you had thoughts about that? And and what do you think? What do you think is the remedy to some of that? Like, how do we actually lead those people into something more than being insta famous? Yeah, I I don't know if there I don't know if there's even remedy is is maybe not the best choice of words just because if you remove if you remove those problems you also remove the inf- like the vein in which those people are influenced so like you you got to have the good and the bad so a good scriptural reference if you will um, would be the wheat grows with the tares you know and if you uproot the tares then you'll kill the wheat. Uh, but the, the Lord is very specific about wanting them to grow together because to remove one would kill the other. So God's all about the long game in this thing, right? Mm-hmm. So the existence of the internet and the existence of social media is still in its infancy, man. So like, and, and you and I, we're closer in age. So I'm a millennial, maybe an elder millennial or whatever, um, but I'm still in there. I'm still under the definition. So I'm 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 still there, but Gen Z is not even that young anymore. You've got, you know, Alpha Gen and stuff like that jumping in and and before you know it, like the definition of old is getting lower and lower and you're like, "Dear God, help us." Um, but <laughs> Gen Gen uh Gen Z um had had a different engagement with the internet than Alpha Gen. Um, you know, and millennials had a different engagement with it then and and every generation is engaging with media differently and if you can begin to identify these subsects uh, sects of culture then you'll be able to see humanity in it and the felt needs of a culture so and and essentially we're turning into the old men on the lawn with the hose spraying the kids saying get off my lawn you know like instagram is 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 will soon be a thing of the past even though instagram is is a viable thing it'll always be a thing but it's kind of like myspace what happened to myspace you know nobody references that and even if you reference myspace you sound like you're ancient you know and even facebook is is 
a thing, but it's not really a thing. It's like, so what is, you know, and you go up to TikTok and beyond and all of these new apps, uh, there's a new app every day, you know? So, so for me, if you try to remove the bad, you're going to kill the good that's there. And what I've, one of the interesting things, because I'm kind of an OG at it by this point, And one of the, the, the tricks is if you just stay around long enough, you've been doing it longer than anybody else. So you just get good by default. But <laughs> what happens is I have been doing this so long now, which is crazy to think that there are people that have come up with me for years and there are people that they're exclusive. Um, the only prophetic they've ever been exposed to is me. So like that's weighty, you know, talk about yeah. the weight of glory and the weight of influence is like, so if I misrepresent that, then I'm misrepresenting all of prophecy to a human being. That's terrifying yeah. or, or Christianity or whatever. So I look at it from this. I, I look for the influencers and even the ones that I can't stand personally what they're doing, because one of the things about influence is I've prayed for Lord, give me influence and help me to influence influencers and help me to have say, I don't want to be the person. I don't want to be the name in the face. I'm not against that, but I feel like the way to have the most influence is to be invisible. So how can I speak in the lives of those who will speak in the lives of millions? And I've prayed this for years and, and I've, the Lord has opened up doors, but without fail, I will watch a video or see somebody and I'll be like, that is the stupidest thing ever. And then a door opens up and that person reaches out to me and is like speaking and, and talking about this thing, the mouth, the tongue, your words, getting them together. You can begin to curse really quickly something the Lord wants to give you influence in. So you could be actually your frustration or your disconnect with what you're seeing there. You are actually the solution to the problem there. And if you can hold your peace long enough, the Lord will open up a door. I've, I've, I've had this happen so many times where like the day before I meet a person, the Lord's like, now you have to repent. You wouldn't have had to repent if you'd have kept your mouth shut just a day longer. But then I meet the person. I get to know their story. And then I'm like, okay, so this is why you are the way that you are. And then I realized, too, a lot of those things are, are my preferences. And, two, um, there's a different expression that hits different people. So I'm not everybody's cup of tea, right? You know, if you're talking about mega micro influencer, I can only influence so many people in my life. I don't care about all the people I'm not supposed to influence or just give me the people that I'm supposed to influence. So, you know. People can get fixated on haters or this, that, and the other. It, it's it's a waste of time. Just really give your attention, your focus to the people that do receive from you. So um, I said all of that to say this, that while there are pet peeves and stuff like that, we have to be very careful. Just like in church culture, revival culture, we say, well, God's not going to come like he came the last time. It's going to be new and different. Well, saying that revival is, an, is a new and different, you know, like he's going to do a new wineskin. It's going to be a new wineskin. Well, quickly, the new wineskin can become the old wineskin if we don't change our verbiage, if we don't change our eyes to see and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So um, Jesus was like, if they're not against us, they're for us, you know. So like I've gotten really loose within my um, I've, I've, I've loosened up my opinions and my um, my criticism towards a lot of that stuff, because I look again and I'm looking at kids that are you know, 18, 19, 20, reaching millions of people. That's a collective of my whole life and ministry, blood, sweat and tears. They make a freaking TikTok, and people are getting saved. My friend Josh Adkins, the Lord told him he's he's a little older than me. And the Lord told him, I want you to start a TikTok and I want you to start making these videos. He did. And they took off and started hitting millions of people. He's had hundreds of salvations through TikTok. Wow. And it's these, you know, 12, 13 year old kids watching these TikTok videos and the glory of the Lord is coming in their bedroom and they're getting healed and saved and delivered. And he's just 
made a funnel, you know, so out of a million views, you know, a couple hundred people get saved. That's good numbers to me, bro. Um, and I don't care as long as they come in. (laughs) It's so good. It's wild. Yeah, that's really good. So do you think, um, what do you think it looks like to, to disciple the, that Gen Z generation? Do you have any thoughts? Cause I, I think that Gen Z is mostly, they mostly grew up on technology. I think Gen Alpha is the first generation. I might have that off, but I think Gen Alpha is the first generation that will fully only know social media the way that we've had it recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's just a, it's just a different animal. Uh, is there, do you have any insights to that or anything that you think is going to be really key in discipling them, loving them well, guiding mm-hmm. them through that? Because they do. It's like it, it, it's everything. If the same thing was happening in the church, we'd be really concerned. Like you yep. take somebody mm-hmm. who barely knows God, barely knows scripture, and then put them yep. in front of millions, you know, thousands or millions of people, put them on TV. Or like we'd all be like, oh, this is not a good idea. Mm-hmm. Um but they, they have the sure. ability to do it. So how do we how do we really disciple them in that? Yeah, and it's I, I would just encourage people that it's it's challenging to engage with a different generation than you just by default. It's just hard. They had a different set of circumstances that they grew up under, and it just we don't speak the same language. So if I don't speak the same language, I'm never going to speak your language if I don't invest myself intentionally into your culture and what you value, your value system. So if you aim to have influence. You must first love and care enough to study or research. It's not that hard. We have the internet. You can you can find ways to do this. So, and then the, the one of the key things is that I, I am very intentional about, I will not speak ill of a generation or I will not broad brush a whole people group because I will then shut myself out from being able to influence them. And I don't want to do that. So yeah, there are some glaring deficits and like, how can I, how can I reframe or, or change the language around this to address an issue that is a very real issue, but not from the perspective that I know the right way, but maybe this is another way to look at it. And you have to develop some type of relational buy-in. Um, you have to, um, you also have to look around and be like, hey, if there's a thousand other people doing what you're trying to do better, that's probably not going to be the way you're going to do it. You really need to lock and hear the voice of the Lord and say, how am I going to influence these people? Uh, what does that look like? How can I do it in a loving way that is affirming? Uh, you're also talking about uh, generations of people. It's, it's, it's not just the institution of the family has been dismantled for, you know, in a large part in the world. And now we have a whole generation of people that is getting everything they think they need to know about life from TikTok. Mm-hmm. That should strike fear in your heart. So these people, they're not going to know better. They have no grid. Like their life yeah. is like what they've seen through that screen and they're trying to mirror it. And, and you know, I have, I have three children. I have a, a nine-year-old. Um, I have a, a, a six-year-old and I have a four-year-old. And as I'm engaging with culture, and these things, and what are we going to do about this? And they're extremely intelligent, and they're being presented with more information on a daily basis than you and I ever hit till we were 16, 17, um, and we're not built for it. So I, I just loving them, being present for them, and people are lonely. This is the most connected um, you know, the world has ever been, and it's the least connected that the world has ever been. So you, you can pay attention to culture. If you put your thumb on the pulse of what's going on, the music is sad. The people are, are, are 
just hopped up on prescription drugs. They're all in there. All of the music is about feelings. All of the music is about anxiety. All of the music is about depression. All of the music is about, about neuropathy. It doesn't take a profit to see these things. So that's the, the cry. Creation is groaning for the revelation of the sons and daughters of God to stand up and say, this is what the Father looks like. Yeah. Is that Malachi 4, 6? So if we can represent the Father in any space, whether that's business, arts and entertainment, whether that's tech and, and, and apps, then by all means, let's let's represent the Father and let's do it with love and encouragement, not with condemnation. Jesus didn't come into the world to condemn them, but through him the world might be saved. So show him Jesus and you win. I could get preachy on it, but but I mean, I think if we love, you, you love never fails and love is not arrogant, it's not boastful, it's not proud, it moves in humility. So how can I engage with them in their language, on their platform, in a way that doesn't demand my own way? That's a start. And that can look like a million different things. It's good. It's really good. Yeah. That's going to be, that's going to be quite the, uh, quite the adjustment for a lot of people. I know that we have church Mm -hmm. leaders and things that that listen to this, you know, and, and are wondering, do I need to go get a TikTok now? Uh, (laughs) A lot of you, the answer is no. Do no, not do stay it. Off, stay off. Not it. at all. But yeah. I think I think what is what is important. I, I sent out a um, uh, a Spotify article where they had, it was like I think it was called everything you you wanted to know about Gen Z but were too afraid to ask or something like that. And in it, it talks about a couple key things that I think are really important. One is that Gen Z actually is really really wants to be politically involved and and discuss mm-hmm. politics. Um, yeah. And not just like the way it sounded to me is not not just take a hard stand, but like, let's talk about it, Um, which is interesting because like it's the millennials who are kind of leading the way in this like us or them separation division thing. And the other the other piece was that they really connect exactly how you're saying they connect on feelings. They 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 love to make relationship over and connect over, have community over depression anxiety yep. and i mean this is a this is a spotify article like talking about yeah. this and i think that's a really uh, what you're saying about recognizing what the culture is putting out because i think i think the, the church we've done a really a really great job of being scared of anything the world puts out and not mm-hmm. not seeing it for what it is like there's a cry there's a cry coming up from a generation and you can if you just pay attention you can see what that is and just by looking at the opposite you know, you can tell yeah. I, I, I used to teach the apostolic this way when people wanted to know what the apostolic was. I, I, one night, you know, I was at Ohio State and there was just like it's a party school. Uh, I was right mm-hmm. before playing yeah. uh, that team up north that Vince uh, likes Go that blue. I won't talk about. Uh, but anyways, big rivalry game and everyone is jumping in. There's this thing called Mirror Lake and everyone's jumping in. It's like freezing because it's always the last game of the football <laughs> season and like yeah people are drunk out of their minds barely wearing any clothes and drugs like everything everything you can imagine is happening out there people throwing up so i took some people out and in the midst of that and i'm just like what do you see and they're calling out all the bad stuff and i was like you know this and that all the stuff they're seeing i was like but this is how the apostolic sees it you know you gotta think you gotta think holy spirit hovering over the 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 chaos over the over the deep, you know, and, and in that, mm-hmm. like the, the, the apostolic sees this as, as a canvas, you know, darkness is a canvas. And it's like, what yeah. if, 
what if we paint a little bit of kingdom over here? What would that look like? Like, what if we brought a little bit right here and it becomes this masterpiece instead of like most of the church before, you know, we really entered this age of like the apostolic being reborn. But like mm-hmm. most of the church has been like, ah, the darker it gets, the more we want to get away from it. And the apostolic yeah. and the prophetic goes closer and says, oh, this is a canvas. We can build with this. Yeah. And so anyways, I think there's a really good opportunity for people just to hear that and just begin to look at the darkness and all the craziness happening. It's it's easy to be overwhelmed because we're just talking about Gen mm-hmm. Z. That's not even talking about yeah. all the mess happening in politics and the, and the world and yeah. economy. And, you know, but if we can begin to see that as, oh, this is a canvas and we can recognize mm-hmm. the cry of, of the culture is connection. They're lonely. So they, they need connection ultimate with God. They're trying to find people. It's not working. Dating apps are on an all time high hookup apps. Like people are just... Yep. You know, casual sex is at an all-time high. Um, all these things are, the, you know, that that wasn't the case. I like, I see, uh, we sound super old when we say stuff like this, but like, I look at, at you know, kids in middle school now, and I'm like, we looked nothing like that. <laughs> you know, like you look, yeah. you look like you're in an Instagram influencer model, you know, and you're like mm-hmm. 12. Uh, yep. What are you doing? Why are you wearing that? You know, where are your parents? Like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's like we were just you know, we're Ninja Turtles or something. Like, <laughs> I mean, uh, and so it's just a totally different thing. But yeah, anyways, I, I think that we can, we can see they, they desperately want connection there. For sure. The anxiety, the fear, the unknown, like that they are crying out for that and connection needs to happen in that place. And it, if we carry Jesus into that, whether it's on social media or just actually put your arm around one of them and love them and for like, sure. introduce them to who God is, that's going to go a long way. It'll go so far. I mean, the the whole thing is, yeah. I, I recognize too a, a lot of people from church, Christianity, religion, whatever, are going to be listening listening to this. But if you took seven days and you listened to Christian media versus secular media, it would it wouldn't even you'd get like two days in and you would realize that we're in a post Christian society and we're still using verbiage and language and vernacular that is so dated that the culture doesn't even know what we're talking about, man. Like we like, that's the sad thing. I am a champion of the church. I have given my blood, sweat and tears to the church. I have, I, like, I know I have poured myself out for four years for like a decade. And we have made ourselves irrelevant because we have refused to change and love the ones and that we were sent to love. So even, and that looks like, you know, sometimes you got to become all things to all people so the gospel can advance. And, and it's just like, set aside your need to be right or your need to be the authority in a thing and just love people. And I really think that's a key, whether it's social media or whether it's just a conversation. I mean, you have to engage with people. And when you, when you're in the trenches with them, I, one of the reasons this is a, a passion of mine is because I was raised in the church, but my father was a general contractor, right? And uh, there's this old adage, you know, you, you, you curse like a sailor. They use that because they'd never been on a construction site, right? So I grew up with some of the sketchiest cats around, you know, being a, a young, you know, kid on construction sites. So I loved, I loved lost people, man. And the sad reality is a lot of people that have just been like indoctrinated, just live their lives inside the four walls of a church. They don't love the lost and they wouldn't, they wouldn't love, lay their lives down for them and try to run away from them. It's craziness. You know, who do men say that I am? I say you're the Christ, the son of the living God upon this rock. Will I build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. 
You know, since when is a gate an offensive weapon? It is not. It is a defensive weapon to keep people out. So to prevail against a gate means you have to kick it open and set the captives free. So the darkness is, it's always been dark, but the light has always been brighter. There's only one way to find out who wins, and that's to shine your light in a dark place. Mm -hmm. So our job is to run into the gates of hell and set the captives free. That hasn't changed. Uh, That's the original mandate, commission, what have you. So as long as we get that set straight, man, it makes everything else easier. It's not going to be easy. It's, it's, it's hard. Knowing that is half the battle. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, this is what I signed up for. Okay. Darren, Darren Stott, he just posted a status uh, a couple of days ago, and it was like, uh, you might have seen this, but he said, he said the reason that church people aren't winning the lost is because they haven't had a friend they haven't made a friend with a lost, like a person who isn't in the church in years or something. I'm butchering it. But that idea of like, it's true. It's true. Like most Christians, if they look around their life, they don't have any friends who, who don't know Jesus. And if you don't have any friends that aren't saved, then you need to repent. I mean, like that's a David Hogan statement, right? If you don't know anybody that's not lost, then you're in sin. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. (laughs) It really is. Yeah. What do you think? Um, and then I'll turn this over to Vince because I've been asking a lot of questions. But what what do you think about um, what does that look like when it comes to some of the progressive, the really progressive stuff? You know, like if we're becoming all things to all men, uh, but we're also in a culture where we're told if you don't agree with these things, you're against us. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a very aggressive, um, you know, the, the trans movement, uh, BLM, yeah. like all these things that there's you know we we would agree we love you and you shouldn't be treated like less because of your life choices you shouldn't be denied you know human basic human rights you shouldn't you know those sorts of things um and or like black lives matter we totally agree with that statement we Mm -hmm. don't agree with the rest of it you know like uh, the agenda side of it um so how do we how do we approach that because that's it it seems like it is uh, and I'm sure some people feel this way hearing this. It is getting harder to befriend people knowing you're a, when they know you're a believer. If they start to realize you know Jesus, how would you approach that? I think it's I think it's actually super simple. Um, and there's there's several elements. There's the us versus them mentality that is propagated in the airwaves, news media camps, this that and the other. And the world in which we live is too complicated to throw blanket answers at very particular issues. Mm. When you sit down with a human one-on-one in love, in compassion, when you listen, let them tell their story and then thoughtfully with the Holy spirit respond, you will almost never lose. Yeah. Like, but we refuse to do that, man. Like we will not, we are so Mm. stubborn. Oh my goodness. Like I want to grab people by the neck and shake them. It's like, no, we want to make our passive aggressive post on whatever social media format and then wonder why we don't have influence. It's because you don't love people. You've started, you're just trying to prove your point. And then we take that out into society. And I have this happen all the time to me. And people talk about LGBTQ, which I am very intentional about reaching. I love people in that community. Yeah. Uh, God has given me a tremendous amount of favor there. And people are like, well, they're like this. And I'm like, well, that's a pretty broad statement. Yeah. Could you please name two homosexuals that you know? You know, and they're like, well, 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 well. it's like, what, have you ever had a conversation with a, a, a trans person, a homosexual? No, I haven't. Well, then how in God's green earth are you going to make a blanket statement about an entire community in which you have never pursued mm. in any capacity? Yeah. And in this, in the same regard, you know, 
tag whatever banner and or label to it. Uh, but it, it's crazy. You can't, you got, if you go one-on-one, I mean, I, we do, you know, this, but I've gone many years to, uh, Salem, Massachusetts, uh, during the festival of, uh, the dead witchcraft and occult festival, sit down with witches, warlocks, psychics, mediums, trans people, gay, LGBTQ, and all the other stuff. Right. And I have had some conversations with people and I have watched the raw power and glory of the Lord show up in conversations with the least likely candidates, in my opinion, in a way that is offensive to me as a person who's walked with Jesus my whole life, because he is not even the least bit intimidated. And if I can just sit down and love somebody, I may not change everything about them, but that's actually not the commission that I was mm-hmm. given. It's to manifest the, the, the love of God in a yeah. very, you know, real and tangible way. Mm. And I've watched that happen and in, in a lot of cases. And I've seen a few that haven't, but like we use that as like, well, what if they come against and they're trying, it's like this us versus them. They're trying to, what is this they that you're talking about? Who, who is, who told you that? Who told, is this experience or the, is this fear that you're justifying calling it wisdom and allowing you to sit in complacency, watching your TV from the safety of your living room? I could get very opinionated about this, but, you know, like, but if, you know, by all means, if I've I've listened to somebody who's been out in the streets having these conversations with people, I would listen to them. But most of the people in about 10 seconds, I'd be like, okay, tell me about your experience. And they've never even shared Jesus with anybody anyway. So there's a deeper problem (laughs) there. Uh, But I think it's, it's this, this thing of, you know, um, lawlessness will abound where the love of many has grown cold. There's this, this correlation of when, you, when the love has grown, grown cold, lawlessness abounds. And we talk about the lawlessness, but it is a byproduct of the love growing cold. And we are the ones entrusted with the love of God that has been shed abroad in our hearts from which they should be, we should be known for our great love for one another. And we should love the Lord, our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and our neighbor as ourself. I mean, it's there, bro. Yeah. Like it is. <laughs> yeah. That's so good. Yeah, that's probably the the most remarkable, simple, but remarkable response. I, I love what you said about just manifesting mm-hmm. that love. Um, yeah. Like you can't change everything in, on, in like a moment. You just can't. No. But I think that. Like I've. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. I yeah. Shoot at it, man. Go for it. Oh man, I've got stories. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I, I've just got stories where I watched people like, would you like if mm, like, and this is going to be hard, particularly for some conservative, like raised in the yeah. Bible belt of the U S yeah. like if the Lord said, I want you to sit down with a transsexual and, and share the gospel with them and they're going to get saved and they're going to stay transsexual and they're still going to be living that lifestyle, but they've now been introduced to the Holy spirit. Would you still do it? And most people would not do it. Yeah. Are, do, are we, do we have enough faith in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that they are big enough to get the job done? Or do we over-exaggerate, yeah. or we, do we exaggerate our part to play in it? Like, you're just a messenger. Mm-hmm. You, didn't, you didn't do anything to get anybody saved anyways. You just simply introduced them to the right. Lord um, out of obedience. And I, I, think that, I think that when we move this, like, mm-hmm. I'm trying to get a notch on my belt. Like, if I pursue anybody outside of the context of love. This happened, the Lord rebuked me early on when I first got introduced to healing ministry because I was Baptist for 20 years. I didn't know about the supernatural. When I first figured out God could heal people, it was like the best thing ever. So I was praying for people everywhere. And one time I went and somebody got 
healed miraculously. It was a very big deal. It was super awesome. And I went back and I was talking to the Lord. I was like, that was so cool. You know, did you see that? You know, almost like, like humble bragging with the Lord, which none of you have ever done, <laughs> but I definitely did it a lot. And, uh, he's like, yeah, that's great and everything. And he said, Justin, what was their name? And I was like, uh, excuse me. And he said, yeah, what was their name? I was like, I didn't catch it. He's like, well, then you missed it. Yeah, wow. Like you missed the entire point. And I was like deeply <laughs> convicted because I was like, that guy just got healed. He's like, yeah, that wasn't the point because you didn't love them. You don't yeah. even know who they are. I know their name. Do you know their name? And, wow. you know, and I'm not saying that I win on that every time, but that was a deep thing that the Lord said to me that pricked my heart. And I'm like, oh, I need to shut up more. I need to listen more. Yeah. And, and let the Lord do that. There's, it, yeah, it's profound. People are looking for connection. I don't care what gen they are. Yeah. I don't care how old they are, how young they are. Um, they are looking for legitimate connection. And it is, I've watched so many people just weep as you sit down and listen yeah. to their story. Like people don't know what to do. Hmm. It's good. Yeah. Um, so I've had this question kind of burning um, since early on, uh, earlier. But, but, I, but I wouldn't shut up. Huh? No, <laughs> no, but like, um, you know, on that note of connection, like, so one of the things that my wife and I are pretty passionate about is just emotional health and relationships, right? Mm-hmm. Like empathy and, um, just, uh, emotional prosperity, like we're healthy and then we can operate from that place. Right. Um, and yeah. really like being intentional about going after that in our own selves so that we can love well, um, and like yeah. making those safe places, those places of refuge for people to come in and like heal um, from from like where where we've been at. Right. And one of the things I wanted to ask, man, like because as you're sitting down with these people, like I think it it's imperative that that you do come at it from like a whole whole perspective. Like, you know how to receive love. You know how to love the father and you know how to operate from that place of love, uh, genuine love. It's not just like a performance love, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that requires us to like, you know, come in full circle, like actually spend that time with them in in intimacy and presence and, and just receive who he is as love, right? Um, yeah. And allow him to wash over the cracks or the, the foundation, foundational stuff like within us that, that we need him to like heal, repair, uh, work on, um, you know, come talking about coming closer to the holiness, all, all that to say, like, I'm, I'm wondering, man, like what is, what is like self care look like for you? Yeah. Like, that's a really yeah, good question. Like what, what does it look like? Because as you're like praying for people, as you're prophesying, as you're traveling, as you're doing all these things, like, like that's a huge mm-hmm. deal. Yeah, no, it's, it's massive and it. It's one of the reasons why some of the early fathers of the faith and mothers of the faith died so early is they didn't understand how to take care of this actual temple. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about the taxation of the glory on a physical body and stuff like that, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy is a big deal. The Lord told us for a reason. He want that rest is important and the cycles of rest, God rested. You need to rest, like get over yourself and, and take some time. And in that rest and that recreation, you know, it's so recreational activities. It's just like to cause to create again, you got to do something fun. You've got to do something that is life giving. And this is where prophets fail big time. This is where mystics and feelers and sensory perceptive people 
really miss it because sometimes we're like, I feel, therefore I am, or I prophesy, therefore I am. And that it, that'll mess you up real quick. And you'll find yourself not only at burnout, but a risk for prophet seers impasse is actually mental health. Yeah. Your mental health will implode because you're not just thinking your thoughts. You're thinking other people's thoughts. You're not just feeling your feelings. You're, you know, like it's enough for one human being to have to live their own life with their own stuff. Prophets are taking on hundreds or thousands of people's stuff. So when you talk about self-care, part of my progression with the Lord is I didn't understand I didn't know about the identity movement till later in life. I just knew the Lord really. So I studied the attributes of God. I studied him really well. And I think every believer needs to know who he is and who they are. Some people figure out who they are and then they figure out who he is. You need to know both and you need to know where he ends and you begin. And you need the the scripture talks about being honest in your evaluation of yourself. So you need to be able to look at the man or the woman in the mirror and make an honest evaluation of strengths, weaknesses, frailties, fractures, brokenness. And you perfection is not required, but pursuit is necessary. So as you're pursuing, it doesn't mean that if you have fractures or things that you're working on, you have to stop everything. Now there is there's scheduled maintenance and there are seasons yeah. you gotta stop everything yeah. and, and get whole and make sure you're well. Um, but people err on two sides. They err on I'm never gonna get whole and well. Or they err on, I'm not perfect, so I can't minister, you know, and and Dr. Randy Clark is a mentor, spiritual father of mine. And, and he always talks about like, and I even shared the story in the beginning of, you know, Ryan and, and the prophetic word, I was not feeling it. I was not in it, but the Lord still used me because it, it's not about works. It's, it's, you know, um, it's the grace of God that allows us to do it. However, there is a, a measure of stewardship for it. So you need to rest. Uh, you need to take care of your physical body. He, he jokes around. I like to work out. I have to work out um, and because I traveled for 160 was I was doing 160 to 180 days a year there for a while. Um, I'd be on 90 planes a year. It does bad things to your body. And then I was not in control of my own diet because I'm at the mercy of wherever I happen to be. And people are generous and giving me, you know, hospitality baskets in my room and all of this stuff. So diet, exercise patterns of rest um i was ministering so much people would ask me like what's your hobby and i'd be like i don't i don't know you know (laughs) so like i I don't even know what i like to do anymore and i love the presence of god um but i was i was sitting with bill johnson one time and i was asking about being a dad and and parenting and stuff like that and he's like you just have to you just have to do fun yeah. things. And I was like, like what? He's like, I don't know. He's like, get ice cream, go, go to the mall, go yeah. do something fun. Just check out. Not everything has to be ministry. And for some reason that was profound to me. I was like, okay, I have permission to now just be yeah. a dad or hang out. So you'll, you'll know what those are for you. Don't take yourself so seriously. You got to chill out. Like you, you do like you can take a day off and the world won't, you know, crash yeah. and burn. It'll be okay. Um, I know this is not a great answer, um, but you have to be, you have to have grace on yourself. You have to know when you need to stop. You have to know when you can keep going and only you can know this with the Lord. Um, but, and you also need to have regular inner healing. You need to have, you know, all of these things. It's just being aware enough of who you are, um, to steward your mind, will, and emotions well, and your physical body well. And, Sometimes, you know, and, and everybody needs people in their life that can be like, hey, you're kind of out of line yeah. here. You know, hey, you, you see that picture there? Like my first uh, 
it was in my first few years in ministry. I think I gained 25 pounds. And I was, I remember seeing my, uh, <laughs> my face on a thing on like a banner. And I was like, who is that guy? And I was like, my God, what happened to my head? <laughs> it's so fat. Um, but it was just like, okay, that was, you, you, you need people that can be like, Hey, uh, you need to put, push the plate away, <laughs> you know? And, uh, or, or maybe you're not being nice to people right now because you need to yeah. rest or maybe you have the shingles. You need to stay at the hotel yeah. or something yeah. like that. But yeah. Yeah. I'm glad no one told you to stay at the hotel that day. <laughs> that was a divine appointment. Yeah. <laughs> um, Justin, can you can you share? Uh, is there anything you learned? I, I mean, I know you learned a lot from Dr. Randy Clark, but is there anything that like was like the thing if you could share like the takeaway from getting time around around him or something he said that changed your life forever or you know guided your ministry or anything like that well this has been part one of our conversation with justin allen i hope you enjoyed it so far uh he is about to jump into uh, stories about randy clark that most people haven't heard Uh, as well as some miracle stories. uh, And at the end, he actually ends up ministering prophetically. Uh, So you won't want to miss that. That will be coming on episode 23, which will be part two of my conversation with Justin Allen. And that will be out the following Monday, the 29th. So be looking out for that. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this. If you did, please share it with a friend. Suggest somebody listen to this. Uh, like, follow, share, all that fun stuff that they do on social media. And if this has impacted you uh, in any way, the the FIRE podcast or FIRE movement, this ministry, uh, please consider uh, giving a one-time gift, a monthly gift, uh, anything like that that actually helps us continue to do what we're doing, and we really appreciate it. But until next time, this has been the FIRE podcast.